Today's episode of the Back to Back podcast is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. I will say, because this is like more of a Jordan documentary, yeah, that it really did like just kind of breeze through the Rodman stuff in a way that it didn't with the, the early Jordan stuff. But then again, the early, some of that Jordan stuff was, you know, things we hadn't seen. Yeah. And also like, I just think that look, Rod, Robin's a, Rodman's a major figure, but he's ancillary in this run. I almost wonder what it would be like to binge this thing because that's what I want. The end of episode two yeah. and, and the start of episode three fit perfectly together. Right. But when you wait right. a week between the two, it kind of seems a little, I don't know, halted, mm-hmm. um, I guess. But I'm trying to think of the context of like, all right, how does that weave in? Because then it does weave in of like, hey, Scotty's not here. They're struggling. All right, Robin realizes he's up. He's got to get in there. Now here's the Robin. Um, he, you know, he's got to play. Now now here, now here, Robin was on his good behavior. And by the way, he needs a break. Here's where all that comes from. I, lo- I, lo- I love that. I think that's hilarious of like, hey, man, I've been on good behavior for two months. I need something. <laughs> like, I got to get out of here. So... You know, it's, and I'll, I'll bring this up on the show, but it really does go to show that I, I think Phil Jackson, his, like his greatest skill, triangle offense is great, right? Whatever. <laughs> his greatest skill was just that mother might be the best people manager. Yeah, I mean that, that was man, ever. That's, that's just, I love that. That, that shit's so real too, shit. right? Like being able yeah. to manage these guys, like. That is not easy. Doug, like, I I don't, like, as great as Jordan was, like, Doug Collins is such a fraud to me. I would have, like, I don't think he ever wins a title with Doug Collins. I'm not bringing it up. I'm not retweeting it. It's done. Fraud. Hell no. You know, and Doug Collins, he he was a good player. Sure. And he was one of those guys that, like, kind of like Mark Jackson, right? Yeah, there are a lot of Mark Jackson vibes. Right. From, from the time during it, the way he talks yeah. about it, to... Um, you know, the connections of like getting that step up. Like he's, I think, and I, I actually don't, I mean, this comes off as negative, but I think like being a stepping stone coach, there's nothing wrong with it. I think Mark no, Jackson Vinny was a Del stepping Negro stone. was good at it. Yeah. Vinny Del Negro was there. It was good at it. Mark Jackson was good at being a stepping stone coach. I think uh, Doug Collins was probably in that mold too, but then they want credit, right? They want the credit for the building it up. It's like, yeah, you did sort of, but like that's you're not the reason they got there. Didn't know Vorkanov was going to be on here. I'm here. What's up, guys? Yo, uh, I came. I came back from Vegas a few minutes ago, and Jade asked me to come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, like Mike Brown, great assistant coach, decent head coach, right? Like I, I think that Mike Brown can get you to a certain point, but then there got you know it's sort of like Draymond talks about I 82 game know. players or I, I, 16 game players. I did enjoy the way. Collins runs at the end of games, full sprints. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Got to find someone to hug, man. <laughs> so amazing. And the sweat, the side. And then he took. I mean, he literally had space. They gave him space in there to take credit for Mike becoming Mike. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. well, are you kidding me? It was Roy Williams last week. Roy Williams, like you know, his work ethic <laughs> came from me, basically. And then this. Cobb said he was the MVP. He was the all-star MVP. He won a dunk contest when I was his coach. Like, man, you didn't do any of that. I did it. I made Mike Mike. I love that Congratulations. You had the genius idea of putting the ball in Michael Jordan's hands. Oh, my God. Who could have thought of that versus, like, Brad (laughs) Sellers? Like, get out of here. Mike probably could have cut it, though. He probably could have cut that. That's the thing. Mike does like him. Yeah. Everybody likes Doug except for – wait, who's – Rouse came out looking real good after this episode. I thought. Well, they did a better job. So, and and I think back is Reinsdorf wearing lipstick. Did anyone else notice this? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of looks like lipstick to me. Uh, I think that if we had binged, if we could have binged it, like Zach said, I wouldn't have felt nearly as bad about them hammering Kraus last week, right? Because then this week he, you got to see. Oh, okay. Wait, it wasn't always bad, and he did do Dave, a good uh, job. That was backed up pretty thoroughly on the pod that that uh, Dave and Waz did with McCallum and Isaacson. Yeah. They crushed them. <laughs> yeah, they killed. And had somebody who was like there every single day and around the dude. She was like, "You, <laughs> hey, Dave, you still looking for the?" Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm, well, I, <laughs> what a, what a wild question out of context. I know. 
I know. I'm, I texted my buddy who told me about it. Okay. That's part three. He used to cover the Bulls. So I'm trying to find out who the hell it was. But yeah, Doug Collins. You know, he's still, I mean, everybody knows, right? That he's still like. What organization? Yeah. yeah, so the Bulls don't ever. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything. I'll keep playing. Yeah, I can't find it. I'm... It might have just been a wildly reckless accusation to throw it out. Might... <laughs> <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> I just practiced a lot about the angle of the ball and project three of it. You got a Larry Bird, it's going to spin. You got a, a Magic, and maybe spin. When Michael shoot over here, I position myself right there. Now I hit the rim, it's boom, uh, click and go back this way. Boom, here, here, click and go that way. Boom, that way. Click here and go back this way. So basically, I just started learning how to put myself in a position to get the ball. I remember one time I was working with Dennis, and then Chuck called me over and he said, just leave him alone. You don't put a saddle on a Mustang. Lock it in! There's like someone drilling next door to me right now. Can you hear yeah. it? Congratulate them on the set. This is the Basketball Buzz. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Logic and reason. With Zach Harper. Oh man, if you put Gordy in Atlanta, we can kiss Waz goodbye from Los Angeles. <laughs> Big Waz. Christine's beautiful words about pop are the best advertisement for the CIA I've ever heard in my entire life. Funny, I've seen the machine in the basement of Madison Square Garden churning out $100 bills. <laughs> yeah, this isn't for weed. This is a you know, lifetime achievement award. <laughs> right now, that is, yeah. I've been wanting to say that for a long time. South Blue Rides again, I'll tell oh, you that much. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm just going to tell you what I think. I, I don't think it's inconsistent. You've been popped, right? Y- yes. He may have big bones, but he doesn't have big meniscus. What? Why would I wear pants or shorts or anything? Everyone does well when you have good results. Produced by Jade Hoy. Everyone does well, I know. Yes, it's This is a journey into sound. The mecca of basketball. <laughs> Everybody knows if you go back in time, don't do anything. The ramifications can be quite severe. A journey which along the way will bring you new color, new dimension, new day with somebody. It might have just been a wildly reckless accusation to throw out. <laughs> and with that, welcome to Basketbuds, the back-to-back podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper. Our uh, sleuth detective Dave DeFore is here. Wazi Lambre, Mike Forkinov. We got Jade Hoy pushing buttons. And we're talking about the last dance. Oh man, what a what a time this is, right? No basketball, no sports. We ate, we did have the NFL draft, so you can kind of get into Roger Goodell being an alien robot if you wanted to. Uh, there's no way he's a real human. But the the highlight of the basketball weekend was the last dance episodes three and four. We dealt with uh, Dennis Rodman. We dealt with Phil Jackson. I think we're getting some dream team stuff and uh, some maybe flu game stuff next week. But right now was, what was the, what was your favorite part of the, of the third, third and fourth installments of the last dance documentary? Um, It was a couple of things and it was, (laughs) I like that guys are being candid without being like very overt um, when Phil Jackson got on and said, you know, Doug would design these plays. And I'm like, okay, Doug was designing plays. He was a, you know, like a maestro that would always end up with Michael having the ball in their hands, his hands at the end, which is to say he wasn't designing anything. He was just, he was just <laughs> giving Mike the ball and letting Mike cook. Right. Like I, I just loved how candid folks were being in that way. Like basically Phil was like, look, we can't, win a championship with this dude essentially going one-on-five as our main offense the entire game. Sure, you know, there are going to be periods in the game where it makes sense to give Mike the ball and let him cook Joe Dumars or somebody like that, right? But if we're going to have a team who feels, everybody feels equally invested and everybody, you know, feels like they're part of the, you know, some one hole, we got to come up with another system. And so I thought that was cool. And I liked when Mike was... When he talked about Scotty and he was just like, and they were like, nobody needed Mike more than Scotty. And Mike was just like, look, Scotty wouldn't fight for himself. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's the thing, man. He needed somebody standing next to I'm him. I'm real it. confused on what Michael Jordan thinks of Scotty Pippen after four episodes. Because even the, even the migraine thing, right? Like the migraine oh, yeah. game, game seven, 90, <laughs> 1990 comments. I was like the migraine stuff. Where you ask they ask him, he's like, "Oh, is that the migraine game?" And he kind of smirks a little bit. <laughs> and so I'm I'm torn here, Mike. I'm torn because 
I can't tell if Jordan thinks that my that Scotty didn't have a migraine or if he just thinks I can't believe he let a migraine get in get in the way of a game seven. I, I think it's the latter. I think he was like, like acknowledging it and then he was like, I mean, I would have played with the migraine. Everything he says about Scotty is like uh it, it's just like an insult and a compliment at the same time. Right. Like there is no it's just a out, out It's a complete yeah. complisult. In his defense though. Don't we all have friends that have migraines? And haven't we all at some point been like, oh, great, another migraine? Dude, well, I mean, I've got, I've gotten them. Like, I get like <laughs> yeah, one or two a year. I got a couple of them recently migraines. over the last few months. I'm not going around, going, guys, I need you to take care of me. I did, you know? Like, yeah, migra- <laughs> right. like, migraines suck, and I can empathize with that. But yeah. also, I'm just kind of like, all right, you had a migraine. Yeah, and then you kind of just move on. But I, I don't know. I think Mike. You know what's so cool about this stuff, too, is I think Mike has so much perspective because it's been so long and he's had a lot of time to think about it. It didn't seem like I bet if you would have asked him in June of 1990 about this migraine, he would have probably had a little bit of different take than what he had on the show. I don't think he went after him that badly. Um, I just think when he was like, Scotty won't fight. I think. When you ask what does Mike think of Scotty, I think he thinks of him as not a self motivator. Yeah, you know, probably, like, like, like if, you can, if you can grab it, like if you can can pull him into the fray, then he's yep. good, right? Which then reminds he's good. me of Kobe and Lamar Odom, honestly, because Lamar Odom's like, I loved that. Kobe; he motivated me. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I wonder though. Every time, I wonder if it came up because I mean, remember Mike had been in the league a few years longer than than Scotty, yeah. and they did mention in that '91 series when when Scotty got hit hard. And just got up, didn't make a scene about it, and just got up. Uh, Mike pointed that out like it was growth. Yeah. And I, I wonder if that wouldn't stand up for himself stuff was about, you know, like him just finding his way in the league. I, like, maybe there's more context there. I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't. I don't know. No, 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 no. I think no, that's probably the right perspective. I just, I, through four episodes, I really am confused on what Mike thinks of Scotty. Like, because there have there have been a lot of like I mean you guys talked about it right Dave like there's there's been a mm-hmm. lot of like hey you know Scotty's no Robin he's no Robin and I look at him like nah he's a Robin like he's and and I don't think yeah, that's a I don't like think it's it. a bad thing right like yeah, I think yeah. we turned that into a pejorative but like no nah, he's he might be the best Robin ever like well, he's Batman really he's becomes really Robin when he's with Superman <laughs> right right, right. <laughs> like, like and that's just that's just how it works right like i mean there's there's always going to be a pecking order like Dwayne wade was was robin to lebron's batman yeah but before lebron got there wade was batman like, and this is just how basketball works does that make jj bray the riddler because they couldn't figure him out <laughs> that's a different podcast um <laughs> No, and, and, and Zach, you hear Mike talk about, like, when he talked about what he did to Magic, he's like, I knew that was coming. I see Scotty do that all the time in practice. Yeah, see, yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, he obviously has a, there's a respect. Ad- admiration, yeah. an, an admiration for, you know, the type of work, the type of skills that Scotty possessed, right? Um, but I think when it comes to the, you know, when Mike is talking about being an apex predator and all of this weird animal kingdom stuff that he likes to get into. He doesn't see Scotty as that type of person, but as far as what he could get done on a basketball court, I think he had the utmost respect for Scotty. And maybe that's yeah. where the frustration comes from, right? Is knowing that yep. he could do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems it seems like he was only viewing Scotty through the context of himself. Like he saw him Scotty as a ball of clay that he could mold into like the best teammate he had, as right. he said. And then there was other times where he was like, I mean, Scotty was great. He wasn't me though. Right. Like I would have done this and that. And I think everything that Jordan, like, I think his worldview is through the lens of how would I have done things? And that's kind of how he views Scotty and Scotty is like great, but not quite him. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've heard people talk about this before in terms of like great players becoming coaches, right. Of like, it's much easier. It's much easier transition for, a guy who was a role player who stuck around for 15 years to become a, a great coach because they had to learn all the little tricks of the trade in order to survive, right? Like all those things to survive. Whereas a great player, not that they didn't have tricks of the trade or whatever, but it just came more naturally and they dominated in a way where, the, you know, especially someone like Michael Jordan couldn't figure out like, hey, why aren't you guys doing this? Like I'm doing it. Why aren't you doing it? And there is a very like myopic view, but maybe that's what you have to have in order to become Michael Jordan of like, why isn't everyone being being this great and this determined and you know, in this in this everything. 
and and obviously, I mean, you know, these conversations always turn into Mike and LeBron, but I will say, like, that's one of the things LeBron has been better at. And he he was that way from the jump. Is that I think he understands like the role players how to get the most out of those guys, yeah. rather than expecting them to just you know, hey, come on, elevate your game to my level. He's you know, LeBron is very good about elevating the other guys naturally. Yeah, and I'm I mean, actually, part I'm actually of it torn is just empowering that. guys though, right? <laughs> like, right. And, and 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 like you said, like I think you're about to get at Zach. Like that has its own consequences too. Yeah, right. Because there's certain points where it's just like I. Right, I know, like, that Booby Gibson's open in the corner, but fuck him. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but, that, like, I do I do, I do, do struggle with that because there – and it probably depends on the teammate and, and maybe it depends on the, just the whole organizational situation. But, like, there are parts of me that are like, yeah, you got to lift those dudes up. And there's another part of me that's like, no, you got to weed those guys out. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't – I honestly don't know which method I prefer. I think there's more toxicity – to the Michael Jordan method, obviously, because you're mm-hmm. just shitting on your teammates left and right when they can't do things. Like I'm, I'm guessing the stuff we're about to see with him and Scott Scott Burrell. I mean, we saw it already. John Cameron right. called him an alcoholic. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's he's yeah. obviously very hard on Scott Burrell, but I think um, I think that kind of thing, like you know, there's a tipping point to it, and, and there's a toxicity to it. But it might, it when it works, it probably yields the greatest results possible. Yeah, it's a higher ceiling. Yeah, it's a higher ceiling, but it's a it's a much easier floor to just drop out of, right? Mm -hmm. And whereas with the LeBron method, the ceiling is lower. It's still very high, but the ceiling is lower. uh, But the floor is much higher as well. Yeah, that's. I think that's fair. Um, And I don't think either method has any bearing on who was a better player. I mean, we you know, I I think it's just different styles, right? Yeah, for For, sure. A lot of it is just empowering guys. And I think a lot of what Phil is talking about just in general is just the idea of empowering guys, right? When he's like, you know, that part of the episode where he's like, Mike, who's open? Who's open? Just give him the ball. Let right. him do it. Yeah. You know, rather than like, you know, finally, you grace me with a pass. And if I, God forbid I miss, I'm the worst person in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, that's no way to, you know, to operate within a team fun- um setting. So, I don't know. Like, I think Mike would even say, because, you know, you, and that's another thing that I like with Mike flat. I was like, I didn't believe in these cats. Right. <laughs> I had no reason to think that these guys were going to succeed. Who were Tex winners and Phil Jackson in 1989 and 1990? Like, these guys hadn't done anything in professional basketball as far as Mike was concerned. They weren't accomplished. And so, and the film does a great job of showing you, like, by 1998, Mike's like, I will not play for another coach. So I think that's that's validation of what Phil was trying to do to me, well, yeah. is that he got Michael to be like, no, 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 this shit works. Well, you know what's funny about the way they framed that? And, Mike, I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Is they're like, hey, in game five of the of the 91 finals, you know, they're they're all over Jordan. And so... They get, you know, Phil finally gets him to pass to John Paxson, right? John Paxson starts knocking down all these jumpers and everything. And then I saw, I think, I want to say Miles Brown tweeted this out, but he's like, you know, this idea that Jordan wasn't finding his teammates in the finals, like he averaged 11 assists for the series, right? Like he was clearly finding his teammates, but it's, it's interesting how it, the narrative of it all, and not to use that that bad word in media, but the narrative of it all, like, was still kind of a little bit of until he closed out that championship, Jordan was still going to be viewed as selfish. Yeah, I mean, I think it was. I think that one of the things that's hard to figure out about this um, doc, and I don't know how you guys feel, is like for a ten part series or however long it's going to be, it still feels very surface level. So it's hard to figure out where the narrative ends and the truth really lies. Like everything is kind of through the eyes of Jordan. I, I feel like I would have loved come out of, I think it was episode four, like having one full episode devoted to Jordan as a teammate. Cause right now he's kind of being portrayed for the most part as this, uh, I would say kind of a good teammate where everything we heard was that he was kind of a sociopath. Right. Yeah. Um, and we haven't seen that part of him at all. And I, I, and do, so th- I do think that's coming this weekend. I think he is going to be a monster this weekend. <laughs> I, maybe so. I would love to see that part because everything's been kind of uh, it's been everything's been rosy for Jordan so far. And just the way that they have portrayed him, right? Even the stuff with him coming back from injury and how that was the turning point against Krauss and the organization as if they were doing something crazy by asking him not to play at that point in time. Um, 
I, I, I don't know. It's hard to disassociate the narrative from what was really going on. But yeah, when you average 11 assists, you were probably passing a lot. Uh, maybe it was just that one particular point with Paxson that they were like, okay, this is what, this was his aha moment where Phil really, really got him to listen and to buy in. Um, but it's hard because we, we don't have enough context. Everything is still so streamlined with this thing. Like they wouldn't even go into the 72 hours that Rodman was away. That's crazy. That, well, okay. Let's get to that part. Uh, I tweeted this, like when Michael Jordan has to pull you away from a, a, you know, a, a jaunt to Vegas. Dave, that is that is when you Vegas way too much. Listen, I I don't know how they left out the story of Carmen Electra finding Dennis Rodman in bed with two other women, and Rodman I, I, saying I, that they fell through the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, how did they leave that story out? Did you guys read? Maybe any they couldn't more corroborate the ceiling. I don't know. Maybe they're waiting for <laughs> an engineer or something. Well, like I don't know if you guys read about it, but like Carmen Electra talk to the LA times about her part in this episode. And yeah. she said when they came back, her and Rodman um, had sex everywhere within the bulls practice facility. So they didn't follow up on that either. There's a lot of stuff they left on the cutting room floor. Apparently there's a lot of stuff that the Dennis and Carmen left on the floor too. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, that's just the, uh, the hockey rink under oh, the, that's what, uh, oh, that's what that is. Floor. Oh, gotcha. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Was this is, I mean, that was my the 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 Vegas trip and coming back and everything like that was, and then the ensuing practice, right? Where Mike's like, we got to take it, like we got to get Dennis to this practice, and then Dennis in the, I guess you know, retrospect, horribly named. Uh, <laughs> oh <my laughs> God, it felt uncomfortable to say there. Uh, bleep, th- bleep that out, Jade. Um, uh where they're like all right we gotta go slow go slow and then rodman's like nope i'm going to the front and right. he and it takes them four laps coming off a vegas right. bender in 88 hours or whatever that was right. bender to to catch him um that whole story was my second favorite part of the episodes you know again with a lot of this stuff i think the more and more I, I learn about this team in the last season and, and all of the, you know, interpersonal dynamics that were at play, the the bigger appreciation that I have for Phil Jackson, honestly. Um, I think this is what separates him from Pat Riley and uh, Greg Popovich, right? Like, you can say whatever you want about the X's and O's and this and this and that, but, like, Phil as, like, this humanist, like, straight up trying to understand these guys as people – and connecting that to the bigger picture of what they're ultimately trying to accomplish. It's like hot, like that's a hard calculation to make in real time, right? Like if our ultimate goal is to win this championship in June and this guy wants to completely break a team rule and I'm supposed to completely let him in service of that ultimate goal. And, you know, by the way, Going out of my way before that to develop connections with this guy when they talk about, you know, Native American um, sort of spirituality and these type of things. Uh, This episode just really just gave me appreciation for Phil where he's just like, look, I'm going to pull Michael in on the decision um, and make him like basically a co-boss in all of this. Like if Phil's the manager, Mike is the supervisor and they're managing this together. Right. <laughs> like, right. It's, it, like it's it's kind of crazy when like Pat Riley would never do this straight up would never do this. Like Pat Riley's the guy that like, no, we're doing training camp on a military ship. Right. You understand? Right. Like, no subtlety <laughs> whatsoever. Like, no, 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 no. That's not how we do yeah. things over here. Popovich, we know, would never go for this. Right. Famously wouldn't, you know, wouldn't Taylor make his program for somebody like Kawhi Leonard. Right. Um, I think just Phil, just his. His um, emotional intelligence just leaps off of the screen to me. Um, and I, that's what I was most impressed by, man. It's one of the reasons why I think Phil Jackson's, you know, possibly the best coach that's ever coached in the NBA. Because triangle offense aside, which, by the way, triangle, you know, is great offense. Works. Great, great offense, but it also, like, it's funny because it wasn't his, right? Right, right, exactly. But he, but he realized. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah no, I mean, he well, like tech, and, it wasn't and, even Tex. It was somebody else before right. Tex. I mean, yeah, and, and like that's what great coaches do, right? They're like, oh, I right. like the, I like what Mike D'Antoni does there. I'm gonna take that. Oh, I like what Alvin Gentry does there with that twist on. It. I'm gonna take that. Oh, I like, I like what Mike Dunleavy did 30 years ago. I'm gonna take that aspect of it, right. Like they yep. pick apart. Like no one's just like, I got this mm-hmm. offense that I can't right. come up with by myself. Yeah, like I mean, Steve Kerr, 
right? Like he adapted the triangle to to the modern game. Yeah. Um, but that aside, he was non-dogmatic, right? So he treated he didn't treat them as players, he treated them as individuals. He didn't treat the entire team the same. Like, I mean, if you needed tough love, he gave you tough love. If you needed if you needed a little bit of leeway, like apparently Rodman did, right. you know, he could get it. And and what, you know, at least to my knowledge, because the documentary didn't show it, but it just seemed like everybody just went along with it because they they trusted Phil. And and like Especially at that at, point, right? Like, right. And yeah. as a basketball coach, like to be able to develop trust with your players, that's the most important thing. X's and O's, you know, listen, there are 40 guys in the NBA, 50 guys in the NBA that are excellent at X and O's. Yeah. Right. This is assistants and head coaches. There's what? Eight, maybe 10 that are great people managers right now. Right. And none of them are Phil Jackson. Yeah. 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 That's the tough part. All right. I want to get to my favorite part of this um, where they just they dish out. Uh, like they just dish out all of the dirt, right? Like they all the they get all the stuff out there in terms of um, in terms of the handshake stuff, the Pistons Bulls rivalry. They dish all that out. But if you need to dish up some food, guys, don't do it yourself. Get DoorDash to do it. Whoa. Oh my God, DoorDash! You got to be kidding me! How great this thing is. This DoorDash, you guys. We're not allowed to go anywhere right now, right? You can't go to a rest. Well, unless you're in Georgia, listening to this, you can't go to a restaurant and just go eat. So what are you going to do? You're going to miss out on PF Chang's was going to miss no, out on, no, on a good burger or good pizza or, or good Nando's. No, can't do it. no, you can't do it. So what you do, you have DoorDash, bring it to you, you know, catch up on those emails, do the laundry, take the dog for a, a, a safe, socially distanced walk, do all that stuff, Dave, but make sure DoorDash brings you the food that you crave. You want Chinese, Mike, they'll bring it to you. You want pizza? They'll bring it to you. All that. It's the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. It's easy. Just open the app. Choose what you want to eat. Your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Just a little button you push on there, and they make it so easy for you. Over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, Australia. You can support your local go-tos or go for the big national restaurants like a Chipotle, like a Wendy's, like a Cheesecake Factory, any of that good stuff. Uh, just select your favorite local restaurant or your favorite chain. They'll be delivered at your door. By the way, guys, it's not just that they'll deliver. Right now, our listeners get $5 off their first order of $15 or more and zero delivery fees for their first month when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BACK, B-A-C-K. That's $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees for a month when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BACK. Don't forget that's code BACK. For five bucks off your first order with DoorDash. Speaking of dashing, Pistons dashing off the court after game four of the 91 conference finals, guys. No handshakes. And you know me. It was I, a contactless delivery. It was a contactless <laughs> delivery of a very real message. Juan. That's great. Um, you know me. I love me some petty. I love me some unnecessary pettiness. Uh, and. Why, and I, I'm not even going to say it's unnecessary at this point, but 30 years later, Michael Jordan, when they sh- when they tell him, I just love that they left this in, that they showed this whole thing, right? Of like, hey, Mike, you want to see what Isaiah had to say about it? And he's already like, fuck this, man. Like, I, I like, I don't, I don't want to hear this bullshit. Like, I, I know what he's going to say. And then he watches it. He's like, yeah, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. And, I <laughs> and just, he set it up, uh, Zach, before when he was like. What they said, what was the hate between the two teams? It was like, of course it was real. And yeah. it still persists to this day. Yes. He set it up first and then he was like, yeah, this is oh my God. full of shit. That was <laughs> the reaction, the screenshots of him looking at the pad and everything. Oh my God. Like I I was dying. I was absolutely just laughing out loud. I was so happy. I was so excited. Um, and that's the thing. Was like, like Isaiah Thomas, I think was on, I don't know, Get Up or The Jump or something this week and was talking about how like you know if i had known it was going to be viewed this way or taken this way like of course i would have done things differently and then bill lambeer was on he's like i'd never change anything i'm bill lambeer right (laughs) and so and so like the the whole thing of it is like i think isaiah you know i think he could deal with jordan not liking him forever i think the way that he's been kind of vilified and like he's a two-time champ right like he's one of the best players we've ever seen and and the way that the world views it I think is what he regrets. Yeah. You don't want to be seen as a sore loser or classless or any of those things, right? Like it seems like 
that he violated some type of code. And if you're a, a hooper and you fancy yourself as somebody who is of the, the culture of basketball and and all of these things, right, uh, you don't want to be seen as somebody who's breaking some type of code or law or rule that people who take this game serious and who love the game. And again, if you self-identify as somebody who is one of those people, I can understand why he's like, you know what, man, people really think that I viol- we violated these dudes and that's not how I want to be perceived within the community that I hold dear, right? I think that's it. It's not personally with Jordan. I know, Like, I'm with you, Zach. I think Isaiah could give a damn about Michael Jordan and how he feels about him. I think Zeke is... Zeke seems to have a pretty high opinion of himself already that he doesn't really well, need yeah, Michael I Jordan's mean, validation. Right. Um, But I think he, he, he does crave to be like, all right, yeah, that was a basketball mistake for sure. Yeah, and Mike, I I don't know. I can't remember who tweeted. It might have been Mark Steiner. I can't remember who tweeted, but someone told a story then of like when they were at the the photo shoot for the top fifty players of all time. Isaiah, you know, sees all these great teammates with each other, and he's like, he knows, he notices and and tells everyone, he's like, I'm the only one here without a teammate. So clearly, he's got a high, you know with a high opinion of like wants to remind people he was bad, right? Like he was this dude was a problem, but um, but like this is this is something that stayed with him, kept him off the '92 Dream Team, like all that stuff. I thought it was interesting, and maybe I'm saying this only because I saw a community episode about this last night. Um, but I thought it was interesting as much as like about what happened with the handshakes as about who gets to run. Uh, the version of history, right? Like Isaiah was saying, all this stuff happened for this reason. Let me tell you why. And Jordan being the guy who eliminated the Pistons and ultimately became, you know, best player of all time says, no, no, we're going to go with my version of history. (laughs) Isaiah is just being a punk. And like, that's what, that's what this documentary like ossifies. It's like, we're going to stick with Jordan as the version of history. That's true. Yeah. If you get Dave, if you, if you win, and you get to produce the, the documentary and give your notes on it, you get to tell your story. You get to tell your version of it. (laughs) That's right. I'm Michael Jordan in my own documentary. Right. Exactly. You know, exactly. Isaiah, go make your own. <laughs> now, just... did, did Mike do an interview <laughs> where he called the Pistons fake champs? Oh, did he? I, I feel like I, I read that at some call. point. Like, now this is, you know. Is this another one of those Doug Collins this, things? Hey, hey, hey. I think, Jay, just a producer's <laughs> note. I don't want to tell you how to do this podcast. I think we just bleep that part, but leave it in, right? We bleep that part at the beginning, but we leave it in. We leave it up to the imagination. And just, you know, whatever you think of Doug Collins, you fill it in for yourself. Right. Please don't leave that in. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I... I, I I seem to recall, I mean, this is like 30 years ago, right? I mean, I was nine or 10 years old, but why do I think I remember that? But anyway, like, oh, 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 you, know what? you know what? This is it. Uh, so this is between games three and four of the, uh, of, of the 91 final or conference finals. Uh, Jordan said the Pistons are undeserving champions. There you go. The bad boys there are bad go. for basketball. That's right. uh, courtesy of uh, Vincent Goodwill of Yahoo. Also, he's not wrong. Like that style of basketball was bad for the league, so he wasn't wrong about that. Now, undeserving champs. I mean, they still won. Yeah, right? they still kicked it. So, they still kicked people's yeah. asses. Like, but know. he was not wrong about that style of play being awful. I mean, it was terrible to watch. So I mean, you you watch these you know these highlights now, and it's like, all right, that that doesn't really look like basketball. So I get it, but still, like, the, it's not like the Pistons were mad for no reason. No, I, I and. Again, you know, familiarity breeds contempt, right? Like these guys played. This is the third season in a row they're playing in the playoffs. And, you know, all the physicality and the fighting and, you know, a lot is made of these Jordan rules and and all of that stuff. Um, But, like, it's understandable that there would be contempt. And then it's like, yo, these young punks beat us they were and then they whine like sissies about it and all like you can already see the narratives building on both sides and you know to the documentary's credit they did show bird and them being like man fuck these dudes but at the same time though it's like <laughs> and, and i had tweeted this too like the pistons always like to be like oh nobody liked us and this as if it wasn't completely warranted Right, like you right. guys were over the top. I'm sorry, well, this, right? Even by the standards of the '80s, y'all were doing too much. So it's it's understandable that people didn't enjoy them and their brand of basketball. So I've been lucky enough over the last couple of years to do a lot of radio with Rick Mahorn, right? And so that's what I love about Rick is he's always like, "Yeah, we did that stuff. So what? 
like like and it's just you know it's a it's very you know his good friend is bill lambert like they're very much on the same page with this stuff um i get not i you know if you're isaiah if you're those guys i get wanting to be remembered as champions first and then the bad boys second uh but it doesn't always get to play out that way especially when you end up toppling the way they toppled right like you you go and you you win the championship you beat the you know beat this bulls team in seven in the conference finals and then they come back the next year and sweep you and sweep you in a way to where you even tried the dirty yeah. stuff like they showed the rodman flagrant foul on pippen and everything and that was nasty. not reacting and horse grant calls them straight up bitches and um, <laughs> <laughs> which was great um and then horace uh, grant kind of yoked now well, Did you so, notice that? Oh, man, God, I wish I could find this tweet. Someone during that night said he looks like, you know, Horace Grant looks like he knows how to cook ribs, which is true. <laughs> like, it's, it's the, I, man, I wish I could find that tweet. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, I, the, it's so dead on. I will say, I do think this doc did a really good job of adding, like, the way that they presented the Pistons as a foil to the Jordan Bulls yeah. was good. And, and it's an important part of the story because, you know, the the Bulls getting over that Pistons hump was a big deal. Yeah, it was I mean, a huge deal. They lose in right. They lose in five the first time they face them. They lose in six, even though they're up two one the second time they face them. They they get Doug Collins fraudulent ass out of there. They you know they hire Phil Jackson. They then lose in seven. They have the migraine game with Scotty mm-hmm. right, and then after that they sweep them. They yeah. sweep the piss. Like you not only got over the hump. Narratively, you destroyed it's beautiful. Them. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it really is a perfect narrative. And you're Slay right, the Dave. Dragon. Like, they 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 I thought they presented that in probably the most fair way they could. Yeah. I and mean, you can't tell the story of the Jordan Bulls without the bad boy pistons. Right. Because the bad I mean, they they kicked their asses for years. Yeah. I mean, I grew up a Bulls fan and I remember I I mean I hated Isaiah Thomas for that reason. Like they were just always beating him. Um, you know, Bill Lambeer was a dick, right? Like, he just punched guys. Dick, <laughs> I mean, just, just to punch and guys. proudly so. Yeah. And so I, I did, I, I did appreciate how that, how they use that in the doc. And I, I'm pretty shocked that they got Isaiah, honestly. Yeah. I think- Cause he knew he was going to get shit on the whole time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, I don't know. I, well, I mean, Mike, is that, is part of this Isaiah, you know, He's been trying to rehab an image for a while, right? And and I don't think he's struggling with it at all. But I've, it feels like Isaiah's been trying to rehab his image since the sexual harassment stuff. Yeah, I, I assume he wanted to be in it because he wanted to get his word in, right? Like he knew, you know, he's probably going to get. Uh, I think Dave said it crapped on a lot, and so he's like, "Well, let me at least tell you how I saw it and see if I can change part of that, and um, you know." get people to see my point of view, but I think he just also likes the limelight, right? Like he's one of those guys who seems to want to be on camera a lot. And I think this was like a high profile uh, way to do it. And I feel like everyone who got asked to be in this doc probably said yes. Yeah. I think they, I think they got everybody. I think there's, I think everyone they asked said yes. Um, Yeah. It's obvious. Isaiah that doesn't have a problem. (laughs) You know, be on camera. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, you see it with open court. He, he, he violated somebody the other day on open court. I don't remember what he, I forgot what he was. It wasn't open court, but it was like one of those NBA TV, you know, those a bunch of ex-players right, yeah, yeah. talking and stuff like that. And he just completely crushed somebody on there. I forgot. Grant Hill was on. I forget what it was. But um, Isaiah's just, he's, <laughs> he, he, like I said, he does, he has a very high opinion of himself and he's not going to be afraid you know, to, to talk about it, man. And he should, right? I mean, at least no, as a player. Of course. And, and they won two championships. And he's like, we crashed the, the nice little party they had for Larry and Magic. And Michael was going to be the next one at the party. And we yeah. crashed it. You Which know, I, they I do obviously love that. take I, a lot yeah. of pride in that, man. Right. And, and, and God bless them. They should. Piston's been doing that for years. Well, until, you know, like the last. 15, I guess, but that early 2000s <laughs> Pistons. Just that little decade and a half stretch. <laughs> yeah, that, that early 2000s Pistons team was kind yeah, of the man. same way, right? Absolutely. Like, basketball's supposed to be fun. Let's do the opposite. Yeah, what if we made it unwatchable? <laughs> is that how just Detroit is in general? I've never been there, so I'm not, I'm not well, sure. Well, I like, will say this, and this is very stupid of me, but I'm happy to admit it. Um, <laughs> there was a time where I truly believe, and I, I'd never, I've never been to Detroit other than in the airport on a connecting flight, right? And so when I found out there there actually isn't a RoboCop statue in Detroit, I was devastated. 
I gotta be completely. <laughs> I was devastated. That tells me all I need to know about Detroit. Exactly. Exactly. What's next? B Rabbit doesn't have a have a, a statue out there. You know, Philly did it right. Well, I, I know, know one that. thing about you. Let me tell you something about this this Rocky character. That's a that's a fake champion. Okay, exactly. This is a little wow. tangent. He didn't beat Apollo Creed in the second one. The ref just gave him the win. He wasn't up. He didn't have his bearings. He just got a knee off the ground. That should have been a draw. Both Look, of them man, knocked out. If, if 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 Detroit embraced the legacy of the movie RoboCop as much as Indiana embraces freaking Hoosiers, <laughs> I'd be a lot less annoyed about it. Trust me. Well, wait, wait. Wasn't Hoosiers based off of a real story? So, so was RoboCop. RoboCop was actually based off a real story. Who says it's not? I wasn't around Detroit in the 80s. I don't know. <laughs> Look, Wise modern-day Detroit erasing RoboCop. Exactly. This- Mike, this is what I always say. It's not my job to to prove my accusations to be correct. It's my job to throw them out there and let someone else handle that grenade. 100%. Yeah. That's that's the 2020 model. Exactly. When people say, well, such a, you do the research. Yeah, exactly. It's not I'm my gonna, job to do your research. Exactly, you. Waz. Here's my accusation. You figure it out. Exactly. Have I done my research? Who knows? That's part of the fun of it. Is figuring out whether or not, you know, Detroit had a, an actual RoboCop in 1984. Some people are saying it's true. Some people are saying it's true. Absolutely. Uh, what else? What else happened in this documentary that we loved? Um, the Rodman story was, was so Rodman's story is very compelling, very interesting. Despite what some other podcasters mm-hmm. might say, um, I find it to be compelling. I find it to be interesting. I, you know, I had a very loose connection to seeing Dennis Rodman as a kid. Uh, I don't know how many kids he has, but at least one of his daughters went to my elementary school. She's like four or five years younger than me. Um, you remember that book, Bad as I Want to Be. Yeah, um, it's where he's naked mm-hmm. on the motorcycle. So yes, his sir. ex-wife wrote a like a rebuttal book, worse than wow. he says he is, or something like that. Oh, um, and so she, so wow. she lived in Sacramento, I guess, because I would go to ch- like she was at church of the school I went to, the Catholic school I went to uh, often, and and his daughter, I can't remember her name, but his daughter w- was four or five years younger than me, and so anytime he was in town during the season, you know. You, you would know because he would show up to the school to pick her up in a limo. And so this giant would come out, of, you know, step out of the limo. He's got green hair. He's got purple hair, whatever he had. And, uh, and he would, he would take his daughter and I don't, you know, they go have some bonding time or whatever. But so like, to me, like seeing that as like a fourth or fifth grader, I was like, Oh my God, Dennis Rodman, that's so cool. And, and now like looking at his whole life, like his whole life is, is fascinating to me. His whole life is, and I guess he, I guess Dave, like the thirty for thirty, is the yeah. real job because this isn't a Dennis Rodman documentary, right? Like they right. they essentially went through like thirty minutes of Dennis Rodman's story, if yeah. that, to tell they this greater the- story of this of the team. Yeah, they skipped over. I mean, and granted, this is really a Michael Jordan documentary. Like it, it's painted as this right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bulls dynasty, but really, it's a Jordan documentary. It's, we have all this footage of Michael Jordan. Check it out. Right. Um, and you know they they leave out the thing. You know, Rodman was five six. And grew to six eight from like eighteen to twenty. Yeah, that's wild. Too. Um, yeah, and then you know gets in the NBA at the age of twenty five, which just wouldn't happen now. And it's he was homeless at one point. Like, there's all this stuff that they just gloss right over to get to the you know the Vegas stuff. So, but again, I, I understand it because it is a Michael Jordan documentary. But yeah, I mean the, the guy he remains fascinating. Yeah, I mean, he, well, some of the stuff he was doing, like think about like the things that he was doing, like with gender and sexuality right. in a time when it wasn't accepted. I, I watched the clip from when he was on Oprah and it was so cringy, you know, with 25 years of, right. you know, of, of the earth since that, <laughs> that, you know, you watch that stuff now and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe Oprah of all people was acting like this. Um, yeah, yeah, but but. And and I get Rodman makes a lot of people uncomfortable because of that stuff. And so it's hard to wrap your head around him. But and you're definitely not going to do it in a 30 minute, you know, yeah, you can't, you can't Michael Jordan it. documentary. I was going to say, did you guys watch that that part where uh, Rodman's talking to Barbara Walters? Did you guys watch that and wonder why they were sitting on the floor instead of sitting on the couch? Yes. 
Yes, what was that? You know, just the the comf- the comfort level, man. You want people to feel at ease, Mike. That was the vibe. <laughs> that was the vibe. Am I missing something? Should <laughs> I have been sitting on the floor the whole time? Well, he was trying to have that hat hat blend in with the couch cushions. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, it was an aesthetics thing. Um, yeah, one of the things that like, and I knew I like, I know Dennis Rodman's very troubled and everything. He's got some demons and stuff, and. And even before they get to the the story about him in the truck with with the gun, right? Um, and and it's also wild to see all the people like just openly talking about that on camera oh back God. then, right? Like, what was it, Ron Rothstein? I think, like, yeah, is like is like, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, that. I mean, well, how about that, the reporters? I, I know as much as you. Hey, do. were you going to kill yourself? Right. Like, like that. What? I mean, man, that's wild to think like <laughs> how journalism is now and how it is back then. Like, um, but uh, but the thing where he was talking about playing basketball in high school and college and where he says, yeah, I just wanted to get in there and get my nose broken so I could feel something. Right. Like it's very mm. emo and everything, but like that quote, I was like, Holy shit. Like I knew he was troubled. Like, and obviously you're troubled at not, you know, not once you get to the NBA, but, um, but to me that was like, damn, that's that. Of course that explains how he played because he just wanted to, he wanted some different form of pain. Yeah, man, the, the 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 eccentricities, the partying, um, they you know they glossed over the substance abuses, which we don't know for sure. I don't think what, what exactly what substances he was abusing besides alcohol and right. stuff. And again, like the the idea that this guy was was you know fell asleep in his car with a gun on his lap, like they they don't really get into that. And and again, this is a celebration of the Bulls and not really some type of. Uh, I don't know some some type of expose, right? right? It's a celebration of that team and and you know the just the rock star quality that they that they possessed. And Dennis was surely one of those rock stars. And to to Dave's point, in a in a climate that's a that would be a lot more forgiving, I believe, to um, an eccentric personality. Um, similar to Dennis Rodman's. That's the thing that surprised me most is that we haven't seen a single person since um, be anything like Dennis Rodman, be anywhere as extroverted and expressive in, in, in how they, you know, their own personal aesthetic. Like we've, we've haven't seen any of it since, which I think is just kind of like crazy. You know what, <laughs> when you though? think about it, I would say guys are more expressive on the whole and and you don't have the the wild outlier like that. I mean, there there might be someone right. that's that that pushes that edge, but it it seems so much more normal now. If someone did, right? right? And, and you know, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And, well, I mean, and, was, and, and nobody our, really cared. Was as our cultural anthropologist. Um, <laughs> that's right. I, you know, I, I I defer to your expertise here, but I, you know, watching the clips of him walking in with all these wild outfits and stuff. Then I start thinking about Kyle Kuzma and Kelly Oubre. I was like, you fucking amateurs. You guys don't know what you're doing. Exactly. It's, it's, it's nowhere close because, and I think Kuzma, Kuzma, Kuzma definitely gets closer to it with the androgynous stuff where it's like, well, a woman could have easily worn this and nobody would have batted an eye. Like he's doing a lot of that stuff. But it's just not to the degree that 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 Rodman is, man. When you consider the piercings and just the tats, like this, the tattoo, that was not a thing. Like later no. on, we get Allen Iverson yeah, and right. all these other people who sort of popularized it. But nah, man, people wasn't running to get tats. Like they were like, yo, this guy is a freak show. It was everything in, in concert with one another, like the hair, the, the piercings, the tats, the wearing of a wedding dress, the all of this stuff was acting. Painted nails, right? Like every yeah, he yeah. was doing all of it at one time. Where you might see guys do some of it, um, you know, one at a time. You know and, what I'm and saying? And that culture definitely, definitely existed, but not in sports. No, well, Madonna really was instrumental in getting Rodman to kind of embrace that side of himself. Yeah. But she pushed it as like a branding exercise. You think they tried to talk yeah. to Madonna? Oh, I guarantee they tried. Oh, so maybe someone did say no. Yeah, they 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 had to try to talk to her, but like you know, she's a bit of she's out there these days. You ever watch, that, you ever watch her documentary from? I can't remember what it was. man. What is it? Truth or Dare or whatever? No, from like way is back in like the, late eighties, like, early nineties. The the, 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 the the like sex stuff. Sort of like, yeah, it's very like behind the scenes of her tour and everything. Like, I watched that a couple of months ago, 
I get it now, Dennis. Like that's, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Zach lost his innocence. <laughs> Man, I thought I thought that innocence was gone long ago. Waz, you don't know innocence lost until you watch that documentary with oh, Madonna. Man. That's incredible. Yeah, highly recommend it. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's a but yeah, world. and I think Dennis has. And another thing, you know, if you watch his doc, um, they get they get into it a little bit more. But he has like a weird relationship vis a vis his his own blackness. Yeah, and like Dennis Rodman refuses to hang out with black people. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, is he? <laughs> Dennis Rodman is an interesting character. Let's just put it that way, man. Like, he's a really interesting dude. Like, there's just a lot going on with him. Um. Okay. So what? So going into next week, I think we're gonna get into some of the uglier Jordan stuff. I think we'll get some Dream Team stuff. Um. It's car. It's kind of hard to tell just because they <clears throat> they cut back and forth so much. The storyline so, so well. is jumping from time to time. But like, they're doing but, a good yeah. job of centering you when they be like, all right, 1989, all right, 1998. But yeah. they're doing a lot of jumping back and forth. Yeah, and I do think it's woven really well. Um, Jade, I'd actually, if you're if you're available right now, I actually would love your opinion on how it's being cut together and how the story is being woven. Because to me, I think it's fantastic, but you're more of the artist in this stuff than I am, obviously. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's the best thing going right now. Well, it's the only thing going as well. Other but than no, Roger Goodell but, you know, yelling I mean, to fake it, fans it, to boo him more. I mean, the only problem is the commercials, you know? Yeah. The, the commercials are a problem. But aside from that, it'd be nice to go. I, like what I do is I'll watch it when we're all watching it, and then I go back and watch it again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I can skip through through that. But, it, I mean, it's really well made. But, man, Mike, you, you, you got my uh, – brain going on and that stuff but it was like at the from the outset you kind of have to you have to live with the rules of the situation you know so being that it's produced by michael jordan it can't ever be what it could be unfortunately but it's still really good yeah it's still really good and uh and and then the other thing is you know and i worked at espn for a long time there's this thing called uh, it's not Disney, Jade. That's not Disney. That's what I would always be told. <laughs> that with with the Rodman stuff, it's just not Disney, you know. Yeah, but, that's uh, fair. Uh, but it, the the execution, it, it, Ethan says about the trailer that I did for him, you know, that it's better than the the one that came out for this this series, and uh, I agree with that. But at the same time, I don't think that the creators I, – I just don't – you're always up against these forces that come from up higher where it's like you they're going to want the faces. You know what I mean? They're just going to want all the eye candy. So the creators are kind of working against that. I don't know. I haven't spoken to them directly. I would love to. But I mean, man. And then there's a, there's a complaint out there too about uh, – and it's going to be fun to see in the aggregate how much – of this final season we actually get because right. up until now it's kind of like not much yeah you know we're I mean? about maybe halfway through this oh, i guess we're halfway through the series so it's it is weird to think we still have six hours of this left right and they ha- and i yes. don't even think i, I mean don't even if think it's Jason about Aaron the has- final season they can like they're yeah. doing it slowly but like there's drama in the playoffs yeah for you sure know? Yeah, like- there's drama in the playoffs like and i and I think I don't think episodes nine and ten are officially done yet. Like mm. in terms of oh, the final cuts, in, in real they surely haven't yeah. leaked online oh, like the rest I'm, of them have. I mean, I've been seeing. Uh, I actually, from an editor's standpoint, you're, you're you're seeing some errors, not errors, but where they could have added something when someone's speaking to a certain person's name. Uh, it's just minor stuff from an editor standpoint, but yeah, having your timeline shifted that far in advance could be big time problematic just in the way you operate. Right. Because you you're, you want to always have a time where you're going to uh, find, find comb it. Right. Right. And they didn't, it doesn't seem like they had that time, but all in all, no, because, I find because it extremely entertaining. Yeah. Cause the, the director was talking to Levitard, I think last week and had, had mentioned like, Oh yeah, I just signed off on, the final cut of episode eight uh, right before I called you guys. And yeah. The, like, and, I mean, that's, and, and that's yeah. being done under pressure. Right. You know, and, um, you know, you, you're always, you have to, you have to, it's just tough. It's tough working in TV. That's why I never worked in TV because I hated the time restrictions, you know, or being on time. Being on time was the big one. Being on time but, does um, seem like a big issue. <laughs> 
<laughs> but my, I think um, uh, the Phil for me the Phil Jackson stuff was amazing. That I, was, I was really just, good. It changed yeah. my whole mindset on him. I'm like, you know, because there's that whole thing on social media where you know he becomes the butt of jokes. And because I, I of the Knicks like, situation, of, right? He right. was doing a job I mean, that he didn't like or want to do. And, he just yeah. took the money, right? Right. <laughs> so yeah, they said, "Hey, it. you want sixty million dollars?" He's like, "All right, I guess." All right, I guess <laughs> if you're gonna force I mean, me. I, I I love seeing the guys doing yoga, you know, on the court. Sure. That was fantastic. That was just amazing. And so, and then the music, the music is excellent. Well, so the, that's the, the, the other the, thing that that the director mentioned. He said, like. I believe the way he ends episode seven with the music choice, he doesn't, he didn't, you know, tip it off or anything. He said, he was like, that's like a moment for me. So like, I'm, I mean, that's two weeks away, but I'm, I'm really excited about whatever that's going to be. Like, I don't know. My expectations will probably end up being too high from that, but, um, but it's apparently like the, the music that, that gets added there is, is ridiculous. And, and then there's, this came up because initially I had claimed this was better than the OJ doc which I retracted <laughs> and it was, and there's it was, still time, um, there's still time. Well, but I know that this, there's no discussion of race, right. In this series. And that's right. a problem. No, there was a little you, bit in the North Carolina stuff. Yeah. But I mean, to the degree that it needs to be talked about. Right. But that's kind of Jordan's thing, right? He, it's not, there's not a lot of that. I mean, no, throughout I, Jordan's I, life, right? I, I, I totally, it's his totally, thing but in the sense that it goes hand in hand with his 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 legacy. Not that I mean, he, and he did kind of go out of his way to not be like, "Yo, I'm black and he black and I'm black right. and I'm black." He he went out of his way to do that. But Mike, in a way, it's so ill because, like, you know, if you talk to, I remember having a conversation with black uh, a, a couple of black women, and they were talking about how. You know, part of the reason why they get annoyed by certain things is because they've never had a black woman be portrayed as beautiful, desirable, the standard of beauty and all of these things in mass media. And then I had to sit and I was like, damn, like as long as I can remember, I had Jordan. Everybody mm-hmm. agreed he was good looking, cool, desirable, right. um, sexy and all cool, of these right? things. Like, yeah, yeah right. all of these things. Um, And that's part of. That's part of his legacy, but they don't really—they're doing it very indirectly and I, underhandedly. I I felt it on two occasions, um, visually for me. One was when Krause has gone up to Pippen after the whole the rumors got out, and, and he's on the podium saying that he's taken offers. That was tremendously awkward. That that yeah. shot of Krause next to Pippen—he's not even looking at him, putting on his belt. You know what I mean? Uh, that was just felt. I got I got slave vibes was. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, mean, I mean when Krauss is basically explaining to you that like he's he's responsible for the production of the team, like the, the you know yeah. <laughs> also it's like if if the championship is a widget, he's saying him as the conductor is responsible for the making yeah. of that widget. Because yeah, he got then, all of these workers in line to make exactly. it, not the people whose labor and sweat equity actually went into it. Like it's it's very similar, but you know, capitalism, slavery. We're not going to do that. Today, <laughs> and then, did you? All right, I guess I'll was, cross that off the. Off the what, what was that scene? What was the scene? <laughs> I have to go back. But Jordan with his hand, he had like five. Like oh, uh, the sniff, the sniff, the sniff brothers. That right. was crazy awkward. That scene. Who was razzing him? I think he was him. security guy. He was the equipment right. manager was, for the Bulls. Right. That was like, you could tell Jordan was just like, get the fuck out of here, dude. You know? One of us. <laughs> not in the, in the sanctum, buddy. And it was just that, he was that guy. You know that guy? And it's, um, you know, trying to just, I mean, it felt like Krauss was that guy, right? He just didn't know when to leave. Yeah. You know, you're yeah, not maybe. one of the gang, you know? That came up in the show, too, with the McCallum. Um but yeah, no, ultimately though, I find it riveting. It's just, it's, I can't wait for the next one. And that means it's good to me. Yeah. And, uh, and so, all right, what do you, if, if it's, if we're getting into dream team stuff, and obviously we've had a dream team documentary and, and Jack McCallum's book um, on earth, you know, uh, what I would think was just about everything from what that experience could be. Um, and if we're getting into maybe like, uh, you know, getting to the drama of, of, of the playoffs, you know, Mike, is there anything in particular you want to see out of this? 
I want to see, uh, I don't know if this is going to be episode five or six. I mean, we're kind of like halfway through the year based on that jazz game. Um, I wonder if they like go back to 93 and the circumstances around him retiring. And this goes back to like what we were talking about earlier. It's, I want to see if they delve into, I guess the, uh, the darker, less Disney side of Jordan's life and career. We saw that with Rodman. We saw that a bit with Pippen, um, you know, with the trade stuff, like, will they go into all the more nefarious things that went on with Jordan, whether it was and the Ferris is probably like over, over uh, simplifying it, but like, you know, the gambling, uh, the bad teammate, um, like the weird retirement, uh, and everything else. Like there was really a lot of interesting, interesting stuff with him that they haven't delved into that happened in those years that we've already seen episodes of the documentary on. And I wonder if they'll, they'll hit that at all, um, before they, you know, go to the playoffs in the, in yeah. 98. Yeah. To that point. Um, and I was, I wonder if you, if you feel similarly at all, like whenever they show his dad, especially after he wins the title, right? He wins his first title and they show the emotion. His dad's like, you know, right there with it. Like it does feel like you're seeing a ghost, at least to me. Like like, I'm always like a little startled when I see his dad in these shots. His presence is is looming. It it feels like, yeah, like you said, like a ghost is in the room as, as this Mike documentary is happening. Um, this is, yeah, it's, it's haunting stuff, especially because he looks so much like Mike. Like they look so yeah, right, yeah. similar to one another. Like you always, it's like wow, that's that's Mike's dad right there. Um, yeah, that, that the dad stuff for sure. And I think to Mike's point, because you know, and this is informed by what uh, uh, Jack McCollum and 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 Melissa Isaacson said on our uh, Hoops Adjacent podcast was that there was sort of a BC period with with Mike. There was basically. When he did media and was open and was was forthcoming and after, which was yeah. after people started talking about his gambling buddies, after his pops died, after, you know, Sports Illustrated told him to bag it <laughs> and he just <laughs> did a straight up boycott of Sports Illustrated and, and, and their um, workforce. Uh, I, I definitely would love to see Mike get candid about his decision to put those people at a remove. I don't know if we're going to get that, but I would love to, because he's been very forthcoming and insightful about a lot of stuff, yeah. you know, to the point where he's, I like, I never thought I'd hear Mike say the thing of talk about Coke lines. I, I, I never thought <laughs> I'd get that, but you know, he's been so candid about so many other things. I would love to see him get into his conscious decision to be, you know, straight up. I don't want to say adversarial, but more distant from the media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I and I if we're going to jump into some of the dream team stuff, I know it's been covered in previous documentaries. I would love to see, you know, kind of cutting back and forth the relationship that that Mike and and Scotty had with Tony Kukoc. Right? Like I I think we might get into that story next if if that if we are going to like some dream team stuff and everything and and Tony's back and noticeably forth. absent from the doc. Yeah, at least so far and I and I I like that storyline has always fascinated me cuz that also get back to the Kraus stuff. Like cuz cuz Tony is like if you talk about the the sort of our modern version would be like the the recent warriors before they got KD, right? It right. was Iggy it was um, Steph, Clay, and Draymond. So, like a story, you could obviously you're gonna have the three rad, the three people, but you gotta have Iggy in your story. Yeah, like you can't tell the story of that team without Iggy. I think Tony is the Iggy of this particular team, and they haven't talked about him at all. So, yeah, I'd definitely be interested to see if if and when Tony comes up. Yeah, for sure, that's a great call, uh, Mike. Before we go, what's going on with the Knicks? Anything new? Anything new to report? Uh, with the Knicks. Hmm. Anything interesting happening? Hmm. I know. I, I, I mean, mean, the Leon Rose era has started, but it hasn't really gotten to start because of this whole pandemic yeah. thing. So, I mean, he hired someone. That was a thing. You know, the, uh, he hired uh, probably his right hand man, Brock Aller, who's a capologist for the Cavs, and he'll be uh, coming along soon, and that'll be official probably like early May. Everything else has been kind of quiet. The Knicks have stayed out of the limelight uh, for the That's most good, part, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been on vacation. It's easy. There we go. All right. Well, uh, everybody's day safe. Uh, make sure you check out all the podcasts on the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, no Dunks has been fantastic. Obviously, Hoops Adjacent, uh, starring uh, Wozni Lambre and uh, co-starring 
David Aldrich. Is that how that's that's the dynamic there, right? Well, <laughs> right. your show David, and DA David, just kind of fills in here and there. David Aldrich is my Robin, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> right. Jade, clip that. Uh, we'll use that in future. Drops. I'll send it right to DA. Yeah, say it right to DA. Just you know, make sure you drop out all the other audio. Uh, all right, uh, check out uh, what do we have? Nerder she wrote coming up on uh, on Thursday. We got tampering. We got all kinds of stuff. Just check out all this good stuff. Oh, and by the way, you can comment now. You know, maybe you listen to this on the free feeds and everything. If you're a, a subscriber to The Athletic, you can go to those podcasts and comment like you would a normal post. Comment on the episodes. Let us know what a great job we're doing because, you know, Waz, those comments are always positive. Yeah, man. Always positive. Always level-headed. Measured. <laughs> always. Always. Oh, yeah. If you do leave a comment, we'll take it on air. That's oh, yeah. We will take it on air. Yeah, you, it will definitely come up in the future. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll do that for sure. Uh, and if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic, do that. You can get a 90-day uh, free trial right now at theathletic.com slash back-to-back. Does that sound right? Or yep. I know for sure theathletic.com slash daily dang. Any of those. Any of those. Get a free 90-day trial. We can get through this whole uh, pandemic together. Uh, for Mike Vorkanoff, for Wazzy Lambre, for Dave DeFore, Jade Hoy, I'm Zach Harper. Keep it locked in on The Athletic forever. 